Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Do you ever get the feeling it might be later than you think? Turning and turning in the widening jeer, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. That's from William Butler Yeats in his poem called The Second Coming. Can you see it all around you, even today? Can you feel it? Last year on the Core Principles podcast, Rod Dreher discussed his book, Live Not by Lies, which he named for an essay by Soviet dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I want to remind you of some of the timely warnings Rod Dreher offered us, and then we'll look at some of the ways these warnings are already most relevant to us right now. People of integrity should do things like simply refuse to look like they're going along to get along, that if you're presented with something you know is false, don't say you believe it just to protect yourself. You have to be willing to suffer to do that. But by being willing to suffer for the sake of the truth, you win an important moral victory. Hopefully, you want to be among the group Rod described as people of integrity. Even secular Hollywood productions have occasionally recognized the importance of recognizing truth and the importance of pursuing it. The opening audio clip to today's episode came from a 1985 movie by Nick Rogue called Insignificance. It features an amazing encounter between an actress and a professor. Neither are named, but the actress is very obviously Marilyn Monroe, and the professor is very obviously Albert Einstein. Monroe recites to Einstein the essentials of specific relativity, complete with props for illustrations. It's such an impressive lecture, he tells her she should be speaking at major universities. But listen to her response to that. I'm remembering it. Just wish I understood it all. You learned it without understanding? Mm-hmm. Einstein is flabbergasted by that admission, of course. And as Monroe tries to rationalize her situation, Einstein gives her, and us as the audience, a brilliant lesson in the pursuit of truth. I understand the results and the premise. I guess that's the main thing, huh? That's nothing. Sorry? If I were to tell you that the moon was made out of cheese, would you believe that? But now, if I tell you it's made out of sand? Maybe. If I tell you I know for sure? Then I would believe you. So you know that the moon is made out of sand? Yes. 
But it isn't. I only said I knew because you said you knew. I lied. Knowledge isn't truth. It's just mindless agreement. You agree with me. I agree with someone else. We all have knowledge. We haven't come any closer to the truth of the moon. You can never understand anything by agreeing, by making definitions, only by turning over the possibilities. That's called thinking. If I say I know, I stop thinking. As long as I keep thinking, I come to understand. That way I might approach some truth. Wow. That is vital. But what are the consequences to us if we don't pursue truth? What may befall us if we just go with the world's flow? Well, since Jesus is truth, failure to pursue truth has the worst possible eternal consequences. But here in our time, actually pursuing truth is going to have very negative consequences for us. We should still do it, of course. But the negative consequences will be because the world at large opposes Christ and opposes all of us who follow him. Roger explained in general terms how this manifests. Well, we are facing a situation in which more and more uh, Christians, conservatives, and even liberals of goodwill are being forced to agree to things that we know are false, uh, that the, the hardcore left is pushing on us through our institutions in many cases. And if we don't agree with it, then we could lose our jobs, we could lose our status, we could lose our businesses. Uh, so far, we, we're, not on the, we're not losing our freedom, but that may come in the future. And later in my interview with Rod Dreher, he detailed very specific ways that the world will try to harm us for pursuing and adhering to truth. This actually echoes the warnings John received in the Revelation. All these corporations, are Google, Amazon, and others, are hoovering up in personal data from all of us, from the internet we use, from our smartphones, and other interaction with any smart device. They're storing this information, and they will, they're trying to use it to figure out how to sell us things. Well, if you look over at what's happening in China, the Chinese government gets the same information from Chinese people and even more with uh, tools of surveillance. And they use it to assign Chinese people, a, each, each individual Chinese person, a social credit rating. If you do things the government considers socially positive, like downloading the speeches of Xi Jinping, for example, you get a higher rating. The government knows this because they're watching your computers and your smartphones and you get using all this data. You get a higher rating, you get more privileges. If you do things that the government finds socially harmful, like going to church or meeting with dissidents, things like that, you get a lower rating and you find your privileges cut. You know, you can't, you won't be able to shop in the good stores. Your kids might not be able to go to college and so on and so forth. This is how they manipulate people politically to get conformity by manipulating their, their, their middle-class privileges. Here in America, we have the same 
capabilities right now in terms of gathering the data. What they don't have is the political support to do that, to punish people by figuring out from that data if they are um, deplorable, so to speak. I think this is coming. I think that the government in the future will work with big business to operationalize this to put people like you and me uh, who don't go along with this liberal ideology and marginalize us uh, to keep us to, to keep us from participating fully in the economy at an extreme level clay and this is real you know apocalyptic stuff in China they don't use cash or they're they're getting to the point where they have they have a cashless society everybody there uh, does their daily commerce through their smartphones. It makes things a lot easier, but what this means is that if the government wanted to cut you completely out of the economy, they could do it with a flick of a switch and you wouldn't have any way to buy or sell. This is something out of the book of Revelation. It, it, it might sound like crazy tinfoil hat stuff, but it's really happening in China. I think we're going to face this sort of thing here too. And we've got to be ready for it. We've got to fight it when they're trying to push it. And if it comes down to it, we're going to have to develop networks with Christians and conservatives to help each other when we're pushed out of the economy. So let's examine some of the lies we're being demanded to believe and some that we seem to voluntarily believe. One of the most insidious of the latter category is simply the idea that it can't happen here. You can be certain that average Russians didn't see Stalin's murderous reign coming. You can be certain Germans didn't all recognize what the Third Reich actually portended. Another lie many voluntarily believe is that We know the age of the earth from things like carbon dating. Some trust extrapolations of actual observations, which are then stretched out millions of times beyond the observations themselves. It would be the same if you had a detailed map of your town, and you therefore concluded you knew every path everywhere in your entire nation, in spite of none of those other possible paths ever having been seen or mapped by anyone. A commonly believed lie is that evolution, which is change and which happens observably within breeding groups over time, can be extrapolated to account for origins. Recall that Darwin's notorious tome is not called On Change, but is called on the origin of species. Yet evolution has absolutely nothing to legitimately say about origins. But the most treacherous lie people voluntarily believe is that Satan is not real. Again, this is one of the rare things that Hollywood communicated very well in a movie called The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. But what are the consequences of believing that lie? Well, eternity apart from God, and instead, 
in the presence of the father of lies himself. Don't imagine any of us are too smart to be fooled by him either. If Satan could talk one-third of the angels into forfeiting heaven, he can surely trick any one of us. We must be on guard, and the way to do that is to remain in close relationship with the truth, that is, with Jesus himself. But there are other lies that are being forced upon us in ways that Rodrier alluded to earlier. These are lies that society and even the government is demanding that we either accept and repeat or we will suffer consequences from them. For example, you're being demanded to accept this lie. Men can be women. Do you doubt that? You doubt you're being demanded to accept that? People are being arrested for using gender-specific pronouns that align with objective reality but may not align with someone's dysphoria. Young women who have worked hard and trained hard to be the best in their sport are being eliminated from the winner's podium for their competitions because boys who couldn't make their own teams are saying they are actually female and are being allowed to participate against actual females. Here's another lie that the society and the government are demanding you treat as if it were true. God didn't really mean what he said about the special relationship between husband and wife. Do you doubt society and government are actually forcing that lie? People's livelihoods are being wrecked for upholding the truth in the face of that lie. Here's a new and increasingly ferocious lie. An experimental technology called messenger RNA, whose purpose is to prompt a body to react as if it has been infected by a virus so that it will produce antibodies to protect against potentially resultant disease, should somehow magically prevent people from testing positive for the presence of that virus. Now, this lie may be a little harder to understand, but you are experiencing the consequences of it whether you know it or not. Ask yourself why cases of a disease has been redefined over the past year and a half to refer not to actual cases of disease, but instead to refer to positive tests that may indicate viral infection, which can but often does not precede such disease. Ask yourself why those necessarily high numbers of cases in the presence of an airborne virus are being used as the metric to justify restrictions against your life in spite of the fact that such a metric bears no necessary relationship to illnesses, to hospitalizations, or to deaths. Ask yourself why 30 days to flatten the curve turned into many months after the curve was utterly flattened, or why such restrictions are suggested or even implemented again in spite of the fact 
that the curve remains far, far below the level those restrictions were reportedly targeting. If you conclude that policymakers who are pushing for such restrictions against you are doing so for reasons having nothing to do with public health, then you are correct, of course. And you might next wonder, is this a consequence of failing to abide by the principle to live not by lies? Consider this simple but pernicious lie. Covering your face with a mask will save lives. You may observe the falsehood of this mantra that's being forced on you by some if you look at the actual data from departments of public health and you correlate the initiation of mask mandates with the relative rise and fall of deaths attributed to the disease against which the masks were supposed to protect. Because there is such controversy over the benefits of masks, let me explain a little bit more about why I offer this particular observation. I am not anti-mask, even though I am absolutely anti-mandate for masks. There are masks that have specific functions and purposes, and my observation here does not diminish the acknowledged utility of those masks when properly used. But there are three types of masks in common use in public lately, and those uses are not typically proper. The first type is a surgical mask. They're called surgical masks because they are designed for use in settings like surgical rooms. That is, they are designed only for sterile environments. They protect others from bacteria that might be expelled by the wearer. They are not designed to protect anyone from airborne viruses in non-sterile environments, that is, the world. The second type of mask in common use is the cloth mask. Those obviously are for show only and have no benefit against viruses. The final type of mask in somewhat common use is the N95 plus rated mask. Some of those, if worn properly and if changed every few hours, might provide some viral protection. But they are necessarily in limited supply and are prioritized appropriately for healthcare workers. Therefore, anyone mandating masks in public is demanding you live by lies. You have to choose how long you will go before you uphold truth. Don't get conditioned to abandoning truth for the purpose of avoiding negative feedback from others or even consequences from the world which rejects truth. To conclude this brief review of the importance of upholding truth and rejecting anti-truth, I'm going to turn to one final cultural reference to this principle, one which also got it right. It's based on Sir Thomas Mallory's book, The Mort d'Arthur, or The Death of King Arthur, and it's from a movie adaptation called Excalibur. King Arthur asks the wise Merlin about the most important virtues. Which is the greatest quality of knighthood? Courage, compassion, loyalty, humility? What do you say, Merlin? 
Uh, well, they blend. Right, the metals we mix to make a good song. No poetry, just a straight answer. Which is it? All right, then. Truth. That's it. Yes, it must be truth. Above all. When a man lies, he murders some part of the world. So I encourage you to stand firm against the increasing pressures to abandon what you know to be true. Guard your minds and your hearts for truth's sake. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.